evening, brethren. It is a very great pleasure for my wife and I to be in here for the first time. Uh, forget about when it was being built. Let's not talk about that. But we're here today, and it's a joy. Uh, Dr. Okeanos and I have known each other since 1961. That will tell you how far back it's been. And I have some other old friends here. I don't want to take the time to mention them, but they know themselves. The theme of this conference is the reign of the con conquering Messiah. And we will go straight into the scriptures. Let's go to Revelation chapter 5. And before I start reading chapter 5 of the book of Revelation, it is appropriate for me to say that Jesus, our Lord, is such a mighty and powerful king that we have not yet fully understood the length, the depth, the height, and the width of his power. We need to understand that there is no king like the Lord Jesus Christ. And how he became king, we'll look into that briefly as we go on this evening. And therefore, let me begin to read verse 1 of Revelation chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to lose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep, do not weep. Behold, the land of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to lose its seven seeds. Let's stop there for a moment. This is the scene in heaven 
at the beginning of the coronation ceremony of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had gone through something that none of us can understand. A very terrible, serious fight with Satan and his cohorts. Not just the matter of dying for my sins and your sins, but battling over the whole of creation, the heavens, the earth, the sea, the dry land, under the sea, and everything under it. But before this coronation service, God fulfilled the proper legal requirement in that he sent a strong angel to ask the whole of creation this question. Anybody who was worthy, who considered themselves worthy, to come and to take this little book and to open its seals should come. Notice that Satan couldn't come. And one of the questions you must remember to ask the devil whenever it comes to redeeming anything is this. Satan, where were you on that day? Second question, why didn't you come? What, what prevented you from coming? You say you own everything. That's what you said in Matthew chapter 4. Why didn't you come? You told Jesus, you said, the kingdoms of this world, are, all of them are given to me, and just bow before me, and I give it to whosoever I want. And the question still is, why did you not come? What made you keep quiet? Where were you on that day? Now look at verse 6. Sorry, verse 4. The, the, the tension was getting too much in heaven. When you read this book, you understand that some things, some strange things happen in heaven. John, the newcomer in heaven, cried much. An old man, he wept much, much. And then an elderly man who knew what was going to happen and who knew something that had happened, tapped him, came to him and tapped him and said, don't cry. And that old man may have been, could have been Abraham. Because in Genesis 22, it was Abraham who was told, give me your son, your son whom you love, sacrifice him for me. And he did exactly that, just as he was going to cut the boy's neck, the voice of the angel called him twice and said, yeah, I know you fear God. I know you obey me. So he said, 
do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed. At this point, something must have happened in heaven because the titles that Jesus was given, look, if it was on earth, your hair could just blow up. Do not weep. Behold, the land of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to lose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne, this is, this is a scripture that I don't fully understand. I must confess. I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and to stroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. That must have been wow moment. If photographers were allowed, they could have kept the photographs up until now for that moment. He came and took the scroll. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang new song. This was the second high point of the coronation. They sang a totally new song. Who wrote this song? Who composed it? When you pray, ask God, he will tell you. Saying, they sang a new song saying, you're worthy to take this school and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Now let's stay a little bit around verses 9 and 10. You are worthy to take the scroll. Creation. We, human beings. And to open its seals. For you were slain. Testimony. And have redeemed us to God by your blood. This is testimony. To say, we now say, we now agree, we now proclaim that you were slain. And you have redeemed us. This is the testimony that can never be canceled. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. That's one of the most powerful sentences in the entire Bible. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. Who can contradict that? Satan couldn't. Satan can't. Still can't. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God 
and we shall reign on the earth. Now, these must have been saints. Because later on we're told that part of what they carried in their hands were the prayers of the saints in those censers. Now look at this. Verse 10. And you have made us kings and priests to our God. You redeemed us to our God. And now you have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Now, if we stood here, if we stopped here at verses 9 and 10 and began to look at it throughout the scriptures, we'll go all the way, like we'll probably arrive tomorrow, we'll go all the way to Psalms 110, Psalm 2, and all of that. And we shall reign on the earth. This is where this matter of being kings and priests was actually opened up. It was said in verses 10 of chapter 1 of the book of Revelation that Jesus died to make us kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. But here, this is, this is confirmation. Then I looked, heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, and all the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice. Now, if the sound we just read about happened here, it could blow this house and everything around here into pieces. Hundreds of thousands and thousands upon ten thousands angels shouting at this coronation service with a loud voice. Are you serious? Can you imagine what happened? So many thousands, ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, all of them saying at one time with a loud voice. Saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive now all the riches. Look at that. Power, one. And riches, two. And wisdom, three. And strength, four. And honor, five. And glory, six. And blessed. What else is left? Everything that God could give. Everything that God bestowed, whatever else was a prize, was given to Jesus, our King. You see, so my heart is so full. If you, if you felt it, you would understand the power behind this. So when we talk about the reigning Messiah, the conquering Messiah. This scripture needs to be in, you know, interned. We need to make noise 
Sometimes we need to make noise. With so many hundreds and hundreds of thousands of angels saying, saying with a loud voice, what is the lamb who was slain? To receive, now giving him all of this with so many loud voices. Can you imagine what, 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 what would have happened? And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, look at it, multiplying every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them. I heard say, look at the testimony. Look at the witnesses. Look at the noise. Look at the, I don't have English language to describe what this does to you when you understand it. This must have been the loudest noise in the whole of creation to recognize the coronation of our king. To bestow on him the seven most fantastic, you know, endowments in the whole of creation. God must have enjoyed himself. God must have felt I don't know how to describe it because as human beings, we don't have the vocabulary to describe this kind of situation, this kind of feeling. But picture yourself a little bit. If you were God, how would you feel? This is Jesus. He has come back from the dead. And he is now being worshipped with a new song. The whole of creation, everything that was created in heaven, on earth, under the earth, in the sea, and everything that is in there, even the fishes, began to sing. No, read, read it with me. Look at it. It's there. So when you leave this place tonight, and you think of this man who is our Lord, our King, understand that day he was coronated, there was no other day like it. And so that when you are backing at the devil and telling him to get lost, you do it with extra boldness. Because he, he has an idea, but you have the sweetness of the spirit from the day that this man was coronated. Thirteen B, 
sorry, 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I had saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Now, they have come to bless God. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Now, this matter of falling down and worshipping him, it's not a gentle motion. It's not like, you know, my in-laws do. When you want to marry one of their daughters, you measure the height on the... No, no, no. This one, they fell down. They fell down. That's what the scripture says. They fell down. They just threw themselves on the ground. They fell down. To worship this man who had risen from the dead. And then from chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, he began to open the seal. Now, I want to not stop. I want to slow down here a bit and ask us to enter into this scene. Don't just read it from outside. You are a king and a priest. And this day, this day, this was when you started being a king and a priest from then. And look at all of the, if you like, all the battle that Jesus fought. He was flogged 39 times. If you watch the supplement of the Kenny, they beat him until he fainted. They cut him to ribbons. And then he fought with the demons and devils and spirits and everything. Until they couldn't stand it anymore. And on the third day he rose again from the dead. And the lamb, when he appeared in heaven, had the marks of battle. Because the Bible says he was like one who had been killed. He had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. All power. Horns. Spirits. Seven eyes. This is the picture. As much as human tongue can describe it. Of our Lord, our King. So adjust yourself a little more on that chair. Thank God because he, this is the man who made you King. This is... 
This is the one who made you king and priest. I don't think the New Testament church has really fully understood the extent that Jesus went to. Now, it says everything in heaven, on earth, under the earth, in the sea, and under the sea, and everything in them. Acknowledge him to be Lord. Everybody confessed you are worthy to take the scroll to break the seals thereof. Think of it. And he redeemed everything that was created. Nothing was left. So when you just use this for the blood of Jesus alone, well, that's, that's fair. But we now need as kings and as priests to apply the lordship and the kingship of Jesus to all of creation. Let me, in closing, bring it down to Nigeria. Forgive me, but in this season when people are claiming that their grandfather or whoever Gave them this country. Or somebody says, it is his turn to govern this nation. Or somebody manufactures a story or some kind of concocted fable claiming this country. And now, you are a king. You are a priest. And look at the man who made you a king redeeming everything that was created by God. And look at the testimony in heaven concerning the day he was coronated. This was not a small ceremony. Can anybody have the truthful right to claim any bit of this creation, I'm asking you, where would the person even stand or start? So when you question the person's position, the person's right, it's nonsense, it's nothing. So nobody, no human being dead or alive has the right to look at any portion of this world and say, it is my own, it is this, it is that. I'm supposed to govern it, to rule it, to do it. It has to be somebody that this man, Jesus, has approved. That should settle every question. 
that should cancel every opinion. Looking at most of you here, I'm sure you broke chalk when you went to school. That's how they say it in my village. When you look at somebody who went to school, in those days when you go to school with a piece of chalk and slate, at least you broke one or two pieces of chalk. Which means you really study. You broke chalk. Now, with that level of understanding, nobody who broke chalk, who understands a little bit of English and understands what is here, a little bit of it, can now justifiably hold any contrary opinion as to who owns the globe and who decides who sits on any part of it to govern it. So that's where we begin to reign with him. We shall reign with him. We reign with him on earth. We are kings and priests. Whether you like it or not. It's not a question of what they can do. They can, that's, not, that's, that's not at all. It's not allowable. After everything that Jesus suffered, and you believe that a bit of his suffering redeemed you. What about the rest of creation? So you are co-opted. Is there a question of, in fact, at this level, it's not a question of your opinion. Your opinion is sorted out to settle for you is here. The evidence is here. You are carrying it all the time round. Is there a question of you close your Bible and then you drop and you begin to argue? What are you arguing? What are you thinking about? And listen, we need to extend this mentality right around the world. We need to put our noses everywhere. We need to hold this opinion, the biblical opinion, to be judges in the matter. Because it cost Jesus his life. It cost him his life. Can you imagine a 33 and a half year old man flogged? They tore his body to pieces. Tore everything to pieces. They hung him there six hours. And after he was brought down, he went to hell and dealt with them there. And when he had obtained the keys of the kingdom, And brought them out. And gone into heaven. And 
they coronated him like this. I think we should preach an extra gospel. Because, to be honest, at least in the last 70-something years that I've been on earth, I don't think that the church has preached the gospel to the extent to which Jesus suffered. When you read Revelation chapter 5, we haven't. And I suggest that we should prayerfully look at this scripture and add to this scripture, not add to the scripture, add to our knowledge from this scripture, what we should tell people that Jesus suffered extra. So that when people are believing, they don't just believe for themselves. We ought to. When you stand, if this is your place of work, listen. You need to redeem the place where you live where you work, where you do business, the town where we live, and add the scripture from Revelation chapter 5 and tell the devil, announce to principalities and powers that the man you represent actually died to redeem all of these things. It, it will make sense to them because they were witnesses. I'm sure they're a little dazed that after all that happened, the church doesn't even remember it. We need to say it to them. We need to announce to the creation from time to time and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, we bring repentance for the sins of the nations. For our laziness. We need to bring repentance for forgetting what Jesus suffered. And the things that he suffered. Forgive us, O oh Lord. We need to repent. For forgetting that. Everything created, the people who made them, probably did some covenants and some satanic sacrifices and all of that. We bring repentance for all of those things and all the things that they did when we buy them. And say, you microphone or whatever, you loudspeaker. We dedicate you, we redeem you from the dedication to the gods of the people who made you, we bring you under the rulership and the sovereignty of God. Why? Because everything was redeemed. And we enforce upon you, we attach to you the peace that Jesus, in Colossians chapter 1, the peace which he obtained by the blood of his cross, in making peace with all 
all things. So keep quiet. Behave yourself. And all the spirits, that, because of those things that have been hanging around, that have been crawling all over the place, get out. If we carried on like that from time to time, we would have a quieter world, a quieter surrounding. To be honest, since we started doing this, I tell you, I can't describe how easier things have become, but I don't want to go there. Let me close. We need to add up, bring the full summary of what Jesus died. We haven't even touched chapter six. Maybe we'll do that tomorrow. But how is it that Jesus, immediately after this ceremony, now begin, begins to open the first seal. He broke it open. And somebody says, come and see. And then they saw a horse. He opened the second one, something else happened. Another horse. Upon the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake. All sorts of things began to shake. We don't, we, when we preach that one, we cloak it in some good theology that leaves us without any responsibilities whatsoever. Let's bring all of those things home and step into the offices, kings and priests that Jesus died for us to assume. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 is there. Some of the things that will happen on earth. Verse 3 of chapter 6. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Still going to happen. Our king. That's, that's part of him reigning on the earth. I'm going to discuss a bit of that tomorrow. But I humbly share with you the introduction to what 
we have been asked to share with you. If you read this scripture at home and you read it together with your wife and your wife is a Pentecostal, I tell you, you both of you would run around the bedroom, dash around the house telling you, when this thing, when the intoxication catches you, you ask yourself, where have you been all these years? In our name, make it, God forbid, forgive me. What have you been doing all of these years? It is intoxicating. So, we are cheating ourselves by default. We are being a little uh, slack, just to be fair. But it is good that we should catch up, read this, read it again, and read the scriptures tomorrow and catch up and see how. Far God takes us. Say amen, somebody.